All right, I have a question. Confession time. Now, just be honest, all right? You're in a safe place. Raise your hand if you have ever bought something from an infomercial or from like some kind of no home shopping network. Help me out. Something. All right. Somebody said, oh, all right, you got me. So uh, second question, follow up and be honest. This one's probably going to take a little bit more. Did that product change your life? Raise your hand. If it just revolutionized. <laughs> Not one hand. I thought for sure there'd be one person. So a couple years ago, I was watching TV, and this infomercial came on. It wasn't even 3 a.m. It was like in the middle of the day, which is weird. But this infomercial came on, and it was this guy who was way too excited about everything, and it was something called the Pocket Ninja. Have you heard of this? Yeah? I got an amen over here. So the Pocket Ninja is this tool. It can do a thousand things. It's a screwdriver. It's a tape measure. It's a bottle opener. It's, uh, it, it can, like, bring people back to life. And it all fits in your wallet or your purse. And I don't know why. I must have been at a, a tender place in my life. I must have been in a place of vulnerability because when I saw that, I was like, I have to have that. That needs to be mine. And so Tanya went out and she, we didn't order it. There was actually had it at Walmart. So I got to have it that day. I didn't even have to wait. And I put it in my wallet and I could not wait to use it. And I used it one time. And it was only to demonstrate what I could do if I actually used it. That's it. I was at a restaurant with a friend and I was like, have you heard of this pocket engine? And I pulled it out and I'm showing him. And he's looking at me like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I'm not seeing it. And I was so passionate and excited, and I never used it again. In fact, I think I gave it to him, and I think he threw it in the garbage. So the thing is, there's products all over the place. There's a new product on the shelf every day, and most of these products are just created to sell, sell, sell. They're not created with an actual purpose or to better you, the consumer, or the world at all. In fact, a lot of it, like the marketing team, is more important than the inventors and the engineers and the people who develop these products. And the idea is like, let's tap this vein for as long as we can, and then when it goes dry, we'll sell something else. But every now and again, there's actually a product that comes out that actually does, first of all, what it says it's going to do, which is a plus. And second of all, that it, it actually improves the life of the person who buys it. Um, for instance... I don't know if you have this revolutionary product in your home. It's called Febreze, right? And so, yeah, got some amens, right? So if you have a stinky chair or whatever, there's air freshener version, but it's fabric refresher. That's something that actually does work, believe it or not. How about toothpaste? Anybody here brush their teeth by show of hands, please? Not enough hands, guys, I'm going to be honest. Not enough hands this morning. I'd like to see more hands. But when Febreze first came out, you might not know this, and bear with me for a minute, just a little history lesson. When Febreze first came out, it was developed by Procter & Gamble, and they put millions of dollars into research to creating this product that actually absorbs and encapsulates odors. A lot of times you think of air freshener, right? You, you cook fish and you spray the air freshener and it just smells like somebody dragged a dead fish through a rose garden. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't actually do anything. But Febreze is actually made to encapsulate and, and neutralize the odors. But the problem was it was on the shelves and nobody bought it. It sat there dead for months, and they couldn't figure out why. They knew they developed something that actually changed lives. And the same is true for toothpaste. 
I don't know if you knew this, but at the beginning of the 1900s, very few Americans actually brushed their teeth. It just wasn't a thing. And so toothpaste was, it came out and it was on the market, but not too many people were buying it. So what happened? Why do you know the name Febreze? Why have you seen a thousand commercials for it? Why did they double and then triple in sales going from nothing to like $230 million in one year in sales? And why, when you walk into Target, are there 8,000 choices of toothpaste right now? Why did it catch on? Because they created a habit. See, they discovered that a lot of people cleaning their house, they'll, they'll go through the whole process, they'll vacuum, they'll sweep up, they'll, they'll do the whole thing, they'll spray the mirror down, they'll actually clean, but then they're done. Unless they're, so some people would spray air freshener to freshen up the room, but that would be it. They found this out through research. Not too many people think their homes stink because you live in it. You're in that environment. I could preach a whole sermon right here, right? We all have blind spots that we don't recognize about ourselves. And then somebody else comes up and goes, well, you, your attitude's kind of horrible. And you're like, no, I, I smell pretty good. A lot of people don't realize their home was, so they, they were trying to figure out a way to get people to, to realize this actually helps. And so they came across one lady who did her rituals of cleaning, and then she would spray Febreze at the end. It was like the period at the end of the sentence. It was like, I'm done with this room. And they said, how can we capitalize on that? So they added a scent. And they started marketing as a way to finish and to clean the room, and it's doubled and tripled in sales, and it blew up. What did, they, what did they do to toothpaste? Well, most people weren't brushing their teeth because it was just this process that they didn't really know if it was doing anything, and they put it down. Pepsodent came out, and it had citric acid and mint in it. And that combination that gives that tingle in their mouth, people felt like their mouths were clean when they're done. They felt like they accomplished something. And so as a result, they did it more and more. These companies created habits. And so I know what you're thinking right now. You're wondering, Anthony, I, I appreciate the lesson, but I did not put pants on this morning to learn about Febreze and toothpaste. Fair enough. The point is this. We've been talking this summer about growth abundance and what it's like to live a full life. You know, our, our, our touchstone message has been John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have life to the full, have a life worth living. And we've been trying to communicate that this is not something that happens overnight. This is not just a process where you snap your fingers and it blossoms, right? This is a slow growth process. Pastor Chris a couple weeks ago had the perfect way to say it. He said, you can't microwave maturity. And that's the truth. So what do we do though? Because I believe there actually are some practices, some things that we can incorporate into our lives to make us healthier, stronger, better, more loving, more open, more generous people. You can't microwave maturity, but there are some practices. And so a lot of times we think of the word habit and it has a negative connotation. We think of habit and we don't like the way that sounds, right? I I'm trying to break this habit, or I have a habit of, but the truth of the matter is there's nothing wrong with a habit. In fact, the saying is true. Human beings are creatures of habit. We just are. The question is, is it a good habit or a bad habit? And what researchers have found is that you don't so much break a bad habit as you replace it with a better one. 
You don't just lay something down and walk away from it to become a better person. You actually adopt something in its place. And so that's what they, they found. That's what these companies found. That's, that's how they got people to start brushing their teeth because they were adding something to their lives. And I want to submit that there are some things that we can do to cultivate a good life, to cultivate a life of growth. So there's this quote by this Buddhist teacher by the name of Tignat Han that I think encapsulates what we're trying to do. He says, if farmers use tools to cultivate their land, practitioners use prayer and meditation to cultivate their consciousness. There's no silver bullet for growth. I would, maybe this is true for you, but I'll just be honest about my experience. I never just prayed a prayer and became a different person. I've been baptized twice, actually. And neither time did I come out of the water a completely different human. I've had some spiritual experiences, and maybe you're sitting there right now, and you can think of these profound, palpable, tangible spiritual experiences that you have. And they might have blossomed something in your heart and in your life, but it's been my experience that these things might be the catalyst for change, but they're not change itself. It might have set me on a road towards change, but it wasn't the end-all, be-all. These things can jumpstart. These things can point. These things can help to facilitate growth. But it is up to us to cultivate, to use the tools around us to cultivate a life of growth. So the first one I want to submit, I'm going to give us two because there are a thousand, right? But I'll be honest, not all of them work for everybody. Some, some of this doesn't work for you. Some of this might not work for me. But these two that I'm going to give us this morning, I think, work for every person. I think every person in this room or every person watching online, no matter where you are in life, no matter your age, no matter where you find yourself, whatever season of life, I think these will help you. In fact, I guarantee they will if you'll adopt them into your life. The first one is silence. And I paused there on purpose. And some of you got, you felt that awkwardness rise in you, right? Silence is weird for some of us. I went to see this movie uh, about the life of Mr. Rogers. It's this documentary that's out right now in the theaters. It's in limited release, but I promise you, if you can get to it, go. In fact, you get a pass. If you want to get up right now and head out to the theater, go see it. Because it is fantastic. It's called, Would You Be My Neighbor? And one of the things they talked about, Mr. Rogers, was in his program, he was doing revolutionary things. He would intentionally put silence into the program. Now imagine, this is television. You want a captivated audience. They showed one scene where he put an egg timer on the top of something and started, and he's like, you want to see how long a minute is, kids? And he literally waited, tick, 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 on the air with an egg timer for an entire minute. Now, if somebody shows me a video on their phone, I'm tapping the screen like a minute in, right? I, how long is this thing? How, like, we got to go. Like, I got things to do. I got people to see. My life is busy. Like, I can't sit in this stall forever, right? I got to move. Some of you will get that later. We, I got to move. I got to move on with my life. Somebody just got it. I got to move. I got things. I, I'm busy. Life doesn't slow down. Life doesn't stop. In fact, I remember when you used to have to sign online. Does anybody remember that? Right? You'd have to get, you had a phone line and, and 10 tries later, welcome. And you just like this jolt of energy. I'm online. I got, I arrived. 
And there's other people here with me. And then you would do your thing, you'd talk to people, you'd research stuff, and then what would happen? You'd click the button and it would say, goodbye. Like there was a time when you actually got offline. Nowadays, when I pick my phone back up to get on the internet, it's like, back so soon? <laughs> it's like, judging me. Like you just put your phone down. What are you doing back here already? There's no such thing as signing off anymore. We live in hustle and bustle and nonstop. There's news 24 hours a day. There's a scroll. In fact, the developers of the apps that you have on your phone right now, there's that thing on your social media apps that you pull down and it spins and then the next roll of feed comes. That, that didn't exist before. They created that with the idea of a slot machine in mind because it was like, oh, what? I might be missing something. Somebody might have said something good, and we scroll, and we, you, you can't go to the gas station anymore without having TV. Like, you can't pump gas without a television screen. Has anybody experienced this? It is nonstop, all day, every day, and we don't pause. We don't stop to breathe and think and process. And I want to submit to you that we are doing our souls and our lives a great disservice by not just stopping and resting in silence. I know for a fact I am guilty of this. I have not mastered this by any stretch of the imagination. But there's this growing sense in me, and I bet it's probably in you too, that I need some space to process the life that I'm living. I, I need some bandwidth. I need an opportunity to grow. These days, I want to submit, and it's going to sound like hyperbole, but I actually mean this. These days, silence is an act of bravery. Silence is a form of resistance because we have to intentionally unplug. We have to intentionally back away. We have to intentionally remove ourselves from the noise and the hustle and the bustle. Silence sometimes nowadays can feel like wandering into the wilderness. I just read this book by this guy named Ryan Holiday, and it was all about the ego and how we process the world around us. And he talked about all the great thinkers and all the great leaders in our world have these wilderness moments where they intentionally remove themselves, when they back away and they go into silence and they go into this place of rest where they can see the world. Do you guys remember like when looking at the sun, not at the sun, don't look at the sun, it's a bad idea, but looking at the sunset was beautiful? You ever catch yourself noticing nature? That used to just be the norm, but now it's like, oh, wow, there's trees here. <laughs> like, is that grass? I haven't seen grass in forever. So he talked about all these leaders. They intentionally pull themselves away, and he says this. It's because in doing so, they found perspective. They understood the larger picture in a way that wasn't possible in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Silencing the noise around them, they could finally hear, and this is, this is the important part, the quiet voice they needed to listen to. There's a story in the Gospels, Luke chapter 4. Jesus has just been baptized. He's just received essentially his confirmation. He comes out of the water, and the, the, the voice comes out and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's this moment of pride and dignity and strength and calling and challenge. And, and the scripture is very clear here, and it's very deliberate in the storytelling. It says, he left the Jordan River and walked into the wilderness. You get this picture that he immediately removed himself from this great place of calling and significance and walked straight into silence and distance. 
He removed himself from the noise. He removed himself from the chaos. He removed himself from the hustle and bustle that he was getting ready to submerge himself into, to make a difference in this world. And he went away to be by himself and to be with his thoughts. And you probably know the story. He's approached by the tempter. Jesus has made this decision to, to fast from food and drink and to spend his time in reflection and prayer. And he's approached by the tempter. And the tempter comes with things like temptations with food and sustenance and and. and prestige? Do you want power? Do you want authority? Do you want fame? Do you want significance? I'll give it to you. Just, just obey. Just bow down. Just relinquish your own thoughts and your own rights and your own dignity, and I will give you all of these things. And there's a lot that could be said about this story, but I think it speaks into our lives in 2018 right here and right now. Because to pull away for some of us to distance ourselves from our, our technology or from the voices around us can feel like wandering alone into the wilderness. And for many of us, and I'll put myself in this category, silence is very loud. Silence screams. And sometimes we hear the voices of doubt and fear Sometimes the, we hear the, the voices of shame and guilt. When, whenever we get quiet enough, and this is why some of us resist quiet, we might not realize this, but if we're honest with ourselves, some of us do it because we don't want to think our own thoughts. We don't want to bump up against how we really feel at any given point. And it's important that I inject this right here. Brene Brown talks about the difference between guilt and shame, and this is significant. You need to know this. Guilt can be a healthy motivator for change. If I've done something wrong and I feel the pang of guilt, I have the opportunity to go make it right. Shame is just a cancer that spreads through a life. It has no beneficial power. It only pulls us down. It only folds us inside ourselves. So I want to submit that if you ever feel the voice of guilt, respond to it. It's equipping you to do something. But if you sit in this room today, or if you're watching this today and you feel shame, and that's why you drown it with playlists and noise and text and social media, if you're feeling shame, that's not of God. That's not a help. That's not going to lead you anywhere good. So we have to silence the voice of shame. But that's why some of us, some of us have these inner demons that if we're honest, they're rambling around in our head. And we have to resist these things. We have to fight against these things. We have an opportunity here. But, and this is why this is important. This is why you should still find time for silence even if you wrestle with it. Because just because you drown out those voices doesn't mean they're not there. Running below the surface. We can run away from our feelings. We can run away from our emotions. We can run away from our fear. We can run away from burnout that we've been spending too long, doing too much, trying to climb too many ladders, we can run away from that for a certain amount of time and we can drown it out with Pandora and we can drown it out with Twitter and we can drown it out with text messages and we can drown it out with television. We can drown out all we want, but it's still playing below the surface and eventually it's going to win. Eventually it's gonna make sure that it's heard. So we have an opportunity to intentionally walk into the silence. 
to intentionally walk into a place where we can listen because it is when we are there that we can speak against those voices of doubt. It's, it's there that we can actually do something, but we have to be able to hear them in the first place. And then if we're silent enough for long enough, we'll actually hear voices of encouragement. We'll actually hear voices of love. We'll actually remember things that we've forgotten. I have found, this is a personal testimony, I have found that when I remove myself and find places of silence and bandwidth, I'm more creative, I'm happier, I daydream. You guys remember daydreaming? But we've outsourced our thoughts so much. We've outsourced our memories. We've outsourced our thinking. Instead of, remember when you has to, remember when somebody told you about a song and you had to sit there and think, oh, I know it was, he had long hair and he had teeth and I think he wore shoes and I know, oh. you remember like, oh, what was that song? What was, now we're just like, oh, I got this. Oh, it was, you know. I think that's doing something to our brains. I think that's rewiring us. So silence is a beautiful thing. Silence is a helper. And lastly, if you came into church this morning, you should have gotten one of these. Did you get one of these? I'm going to walk us through this really quick. I wrote this. It's called the Abundance Prayer. It's actually a prayer that started in the 16th century. I'm ripping it off from a man by the name of Ignatius Loyola, which... That's a fantastic name. If you're having a kid anytime soon, Ignatius, I'm just I'm saying, you will not meet another Ignatius. Throw that in there. So I adapted this. It's, it's been being prayed for centuries, right? But it, and so here's the thing. We often look to the future for technology to improve our lives, and that's fine. But what I have found, a lot of times looking back, there's, there's stuff that's rich, and beautiful and wonderful and transformative that's been there the whole time. Have you ever heard of the prayer of examine? That's what this is. And so I'm going to why I wrote my own version of this for us for this series. This is what we are walking through as a church. And so this is something that at the end of your day, when you're winding down, before you go to sleep, this is something that you can walk through that will help you grow as a human being. And it's not like you're going to read this card, take this home tonight, and read it before bed, and you wake up, and you're just the best you've ever been. You're the happiest you've ever been. That's not how it works. But I can promise, because I've seen it happen in my own life, you will grow in areas. So this is something that you just walk through. The first section says, lean in. This is when we just start to, to pull away and reflect. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you don't know if you have their attention, but then they lean in and listen to what you're saying and you know, okay. Like some of you right now, gentle, sir, I see you asleep. That's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you're here. No, but if somebody's leaning in, you know they're engaged. We have to do this with our lives. We have to lean in. So this is about asking God, open my eyes. Help me to lean into this day. Help me to, to quiet the noise around me and pay attention to where I am today. Not where I was yesterday. Not where I'm going to be tomorrow. Where am I right now today? It says, ask for clarity and for an open mind, for help to see through the clutter and distractions of the day. The second part is say thanks. Gratitude is so vitally important to growth as a human being. Gratitude will absolutely change your 
life. This is an opportunity. And here's the thing. If you're walking through your day, you might have to dig really hard to find something to be thankful for. Some days it's easy. Some days we have 20 things that we could rattle off at any given point about why this day was so incredible and wonderful and helpful and beautiful. But some days it's like, um, I think somebody opened the door for me once or I, I got the parking spot I wanted today. Some days we have to really dig deep. But if you do this on a consistent basis, if you just start this habit, if you just start this practice, I, I promise you, you will start to be a noticer of things to be thankful for. You'll start to be able to notice things that are blessings and beautiful and wonderful in your life. And this is an opportunity to dig in and reflect on it with gratitude, to actually say thank you thank you. Like, I am living life. I am alive. I am breathing. This life is beautiful. I might not feel it at this moment, but I sense it. I've experienced goodness, and I know it exists. This one, the third one, press rewind. This is probably the most important one. It says, replay the day. Pay attention to how you felt as it all unfolded. Where were your emotions? So this is where you literally comb through your day from start to finish. How often do we do that? So often we're so busy thinking about what happened to us yesterday and fearing about what's coming tomorrow. Like tonight, some of us are going to get into like a, a cold panic because Monday's coming. Like, oh, man, Monday's here. How often do we stop and actually process today? And so this is an opportunity to start from the top and work all the way through and pay attention to where your emotions were. What are some things that gave me life? What are some things that made me laugh? What are some things that, for, for whatever reason, I got some energy here? For, for whatever reason, I had some bandwidth in this section? Because when you start to do that, you can go, well, maybe I need to do that more. Maybe I need to open myself. Who, whenever you get into a conversation with them, you just feel better when you walk away from it. This is the opportunity to cue in on some of that stuff because it just goes with us. Life is always coming at us. But if we stop, we'll go, man, I need to talk to that person more. They're encouraging. Or how about this? Let's reverse. Let's, let's go the other way. You talk to that person in the office or you talk to that person next to you in the cubicle or you talk to that person and, and, and you just walk away drained. You just walk away zapped of any kind of energy or strength. You just absolutely feel empty and depleted. Maybe I need to talk to that person a little bit less. Now, Chris said last week that God bless the annoying people, essentially. We need people that rub us the wrong way sometimes because it shows us where we're weak. Sometimes our annoyance to other people, I know this is true of myself, is not an indicator of them. It's an indicator of me. It's an indicator of where my blind spots are. And, and let me just say this, and here's, here's the safety of this prayer. You are doing it by yourself, alone in the comfort of your own mind or maybe your notebook. And some of you might want to journal this stuff out and then burn it you know, later. But this is an opportunity, and, and listen to me on this, because sometimes as you walk through this and you think about the people who have rubbed you the wrong way or the people who make you so mad, and you might have to pause and go, wait a minute. Where is this revealing my bias? Where is this revealing some potential racism or sexism, or prejudice, 
Where is this revealing some stuff in me that I don't really want to think about because I don't think I'm that kind of person? But when I encounter this situation, I feel anger rising. I feel fear rising. This is an opportunity to be honest with yourself, to process your emotions, because that's how we grow. That's how we grow. And like I said, this is in the safety of your own mind, your own thoughts. So you, right now, you don't have to share this with people. But notice, because you might find that there's some ugly stuff you bump into. And that's okay, because you don't have to stay there. You're not stuck. Life is dynamic. You are growing. Everybody looks back at their life and thinks, man, did I used to think that? Did I used to be that? I know for a fact, whenever I look at a picture, I say, did I used to look like that? Did I used to dress like that? Did I that that's what life is. We look back and we notice blind. So, ah, what was I thinking? This is okay. This is healthy. This is how you grow. If you bump up to stuff you don't like, that's a good thing because it's an indicator that you can change, that you can go forward, that you can move on. This is a diagnostic of the soul, basically. And we just have to pause long enough to notice it. And this is important. This is directly connected to it. The next one says, own it. Whatever you came up with, whatever you bumped into today, however you responded to the day around you, own it. Man, today I was good. I smiled at everybody. I high-fived people. I was cool with the kids. I didn't cuss anybody out today. Things are fantastic. Pat yourself on the back. Own that. But if you were short with somebody, if you snapped at somebody, if you got unnecessarily irritated, who do you owe an apology to? This is an opportunity to think about it. And it's not to guilt or shame yourself. It is to just notice, okay, tomorrow when I see that person, I'm going to take the time to look them in the face and say, you know what? For whatever reason, yesterday I was a little irritable. I didn't mean that. That's not who I am, or at least it's not who I want to be. I'm sorry. But how often do we just go and go and go to the next thing and never think about the people we might have offended or hurt? Or what if you did something for somebody that actually helped them, but you didn't even take the time to stop and think? Because now if I do... I might be able to help somebody else in the same way at another point in my life. So whatever today brought and however you responded to it, that's fine. Just own it. Own it. Accept it. And then lastly, and this is how we end this prayer as we're walking through our day and we're just talking through this. It says move on. This is the, this is the fact about any given day. Today was either great or it wasn't. Today was either amazing or it was horrible. Either way, it's over. It's done. Move on. Accept what is. Celebrate the good. Deal with the bad. And then take a deep breath and prepare for tomorrow. This is what happens when we walk through something like this. And I, and I intentionally, like you have this in your hand because I think it's a good practice to actually use this. Read through this every day. Try it for a week. What's the worst that could happen? You smile at one extra person? <laughs> like, what, what's the, like, what's the downs? Like, what are the, the side effects of something like this? I, I, I can assure you that it's actually going to help and benefit your life. And so how do we walk through these things? How do we make this kind of stuff habit so that we'll actually stick to it? Because raise your hand if you've ever, like, I'm going to follow this devotional, or I'm going to pray at this certain time, or I'm going to do these things. And I, This week, this is the week, this is I'm going to do this. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. Now raise your hand if you're still doing that thing. <laughs> no judgment. I'm there. I got both hands up. 
So we have to figure out ways to make this a habit. So this prayer is something that you, you can do every night or maybe at lunchtime. But it's, a, it's a, just a way to end the night. Maybe you get in, a, in the same spot. Maybe you have your favorite chair. Maybe it's in bed. But here, here's my caution against doing this in bed. Halfway through, like, you wake up the next morning. Okay, so you're like, oh, that was a really good prayer. Like, it prayed me right to sleep. No, like, so find a spot, a consistent place. Light a candle, like a good smelling candle. Trigger your brain. Like, whenever I sit in this chair, I light this candle. And... It happens. There's nothing magical or mystical or anything. It's just a way to get ourselves in this habit of change. Maybe silence for you is something that you can do only early in the morning before the day really gets started. Maybe some of you, when I said early in the morning, you just completely, nope, not doing it. No thanks. There is no early in the morning for me. This is as early as it gets in the morning for me. Find that place. Is it lunch? Is it when the kids are off? school or summer camp or whatever, find the place to give yourself five minutes. This is not like, man, I, I went to this three-hour prayer retreat and I was, no, sometimes that just doesn't happen. Maybe it's five minutes. Start somewhere. And I promise you, you can come back to me and get your money back if I'm wrong. This will help shape your life. I doubt any of you are going to shave your heads and go, like, put on a monk's robe and become, I'm not saying it's going to go to that level, but what would, what would you lose if you gained a little bit of bandwidth in your life? What would you, what would happen if you had one second to process before you snapped and bit that person's head off? What would happen if you were able to get to the place where you didn't have to have your phone with you at all times? I'm still working on this. In fact, sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll have to actually put the phone on the other side of the room so I don't look at my phone while I'm watching a movie. Like, how ridiculous is that? But that's what I have to do sometimes. And that is okay. Be honest about where you are. 